darkness, Champ didn't notice. He knew it was raining. He heard it striking against the roof. He heard the wind. But this was Montauk. It was September. These sounds didn't indicate that something brutal was happening. Other things were brutal. This first year of marriage. It was wrong. Anna's dark hair in the sink. The meetings he didn't really have. He bent down farther, took her ear in his mouth. Don't, she said. She was focused, close. Stop. When they were done, they lay, splayed, Anna on the bed, Champ on the floor beneath her. Her foot was on his shoulder. This was the only place they were touching. He almost reached out, held her toes but he knew it just made her mad when he did anything tender. It made her think he'd change or want to try for her. Then and only then did Champ sit up and look outside. And maybe it was that his head was still closed off, but what he saw out there looked like a train crashing into the window. It was the visual that made him hear the noise, the terrible whistling high-pitched and out of control. Hearing it, he'd later say, was the moment his life changed. He headed to the bedroom window, naked, and had to reach out, grip the long edge of the window frame to hold himself up. He couldn't see the beach or the ocean. He couldn't see anything at first. Anna came up behind him, wrapped in the bedsheet, and they stood there watching the train wind through the window. They watched so hard that they didn't talk. Not about the speed of the wind, or the trees breaking apart, or what must have been happening in the town center. If they had been thinking, they might have moved away from the window. They might have been scared that it would splinter, but they stood there until the storm stopped, and started, and stopped for good and the greenish-yellow sky turned purple and then black, and the sun, or was it the moon, rose up, terrifying. It was the sun. They had watched through the night. What time is it? she asked. He didn't answer her. What do we do now? she said. Champ was already in motion. He was putting on clothes and lacing up his work boots and walking out the front door. He made his way, by foot, across his land, down the slippery bluffs and tree-wrecked cliffs, onto the flooded Napog stretch, and down farther to Main Street. Three and a half miles, into the center of the ruined village. There were fishing boats and cars piled on small houses, fallen phone lines pulling down torn roofs poles and flooded cabinets and bed frames lining the street. Water was flowing from everywhere, making it hard to even walk down the streets. Where did it start? If they figured out where it started, maybe they could stop it. Champ pulled up his pant legs and made his way to the manor, where people were setting up shelter, where they were trying to provide relief for themselves. And Champ set to work with the other men, moving cars and carrying wet wood and boarding windows and drying blankets and cleaning up slabs of broken glass. How could he explain it 
even to himself. He didn't recognize the feeling, had never known it before. But something broke free in Champ. Something like devotion or commitment to his home, to his suffering town, to everything around him. Maybe this is why, when he finished working, he didn't head home, but down to the docks, where he sat on canisters with all the fishermen who now had nothing, and listened to them talk about how they had nothing, and stared at his own cut hands, and watched the moon rise, white and fierce, remarkably sure of itself. Then he followed the star line north and east, trying to locate it. First Montauk Point, then the cliff and the bluffs, then the house itself. His house. Huntington Hall. Standing tall. Oblivious.